is crazy. Welcome to BizBuys on New Radio Media. I'm your host, Armin Nazarian, and today's topic is going to be on owning and operating restaurants. Today we have with us Joe Barbera, Paul Haba. How, How you, you doing, doing, Armin? Very good, Armin. Good. This is the uh, second, third time we've been doing a show together. Yes. And it, it's a good sync. We, we, we do pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and it is the, fun. And uh, we are going to talk about restaurants because both of you guys have experience in restaurants. Correct. Yeah, we both do. Uh, you know, my family was in the restaurant business for uh, over 40 years. And uh, my dad owned, uh, yeah, he went from sit-down restaurants to fast casual. And uh, he did really well, you know, but it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's a tough business. I, I mean, you definitely have to stay on top of things and, uh, you know, work it. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. And, uh a lot can go wrong quick. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about all that uh, for the people listening in about um, opening up a restaurant or buying an existing restaurant, what's all entailed, what, uh, you know, the, the manpower. You're going to put in 40-plus hours comfortably, you know. Conservatively speaking, yes. Yeah, absolutely. 40. We're not saying, you know, we got to put 100 hours a week in. But, yeah, you should be present you know, There's got to be a presence of an owner. 40 hours a week yes. is not uh, unrealistic at all. Right. Paul, and, and you've been in the business too. Absolutely. I uh, started with my family at a very young age and uh, not quite as old as Joe is. So 40 <laughs> years, I mean, I'm not even 40 years old, but uh, I've been in it for a while, about 17, 18 years. Sure. I got out of it about four years ago. Um, you know, we're in the franchise sector. I also went independent. Um you know, cousins of mine own some pretty big uh, chains. So of franchises, of yes, yes. Okay. Uh, but they've scaled it down a little bit now because mm -hmm. of the the crash that we had in two thousand eight affected them a lot. Uh, but yeah, I was a part of you know franchises and also independent. I went independent because of my experience. Sure, I felt that I didn't need have the need to uh, pay royalties anymore and. You know, I did my own thing, but that comes with experience. That's right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, five questions that I usually like to ask buyers before they jump all in. Because obviously a lot of people want to get into restaurants. You guys are both business brokers. Right. People okay. want to get into the ambiance of owning a restaurant, but they don't know what's all involved. Sure. You know, sure. so some of the questions I like to ask them, and then let's kind of go a little bit detailed, more deeper into these questions. You know, um, you know, are they prepared to work the forty plus hours? Is one of them. Do they enjoy managing people? Because that you're doing, correct? Yeah, you have to be a people person for sure. Can you go without paying myself one month, two month, three, six months? Because yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's more of an issue if if you're opening up a restaurant from from ground zero from scratch right. i mean if you're buying an existing restaurant you should have some idea as to what the cash flow is or is not right in that case um but the advantage is you do start with a foundation that you can build upon correct you know? and, and that's i think a big big plus for sure um you know as far as a, a first time buyer too um you know sometimes uh a franchise type of yeah we say restaurants but you know food related that's right um i, I think might sometimes be a better fit 
okay. because not only they they provide you not only with all the training but a uh, a formula to follow, and if you follow that formula, you know you should get positive results. Right, right, right. Usually, you know, hopefully, it's a successful system that you're following. It's been Correct. proven and successful. Right. Uh, because and there's as far as the franchises. Concerned. There's franchises yeah. out there though that you know they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. Yeah, you I know? mean, uh, so, we can't name names, but yeah, there are some that are uh, they're not franchisee friendly. Let, let's put it that's right. Put it that way. It's more franchisor friendly, correct? Yeah, you know, where they're they're, they're, they're 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 banking it for themselves, yeah, but hundred uh, percent. You know, and then that goes back to the due diligence on the buyer. So you know, the buyer has to do with their due diligence getting into the franchise. Yeah, right? most of them do. You know, a lot of them, especially when it comes to a franchise, a lot of them will Google that franchise right. name, and you know, it'll come up. You know. Uh, you know, there's one franchise in particular which was so atrocious that uh, a gentleman owned three of them ended up committing suicide in oh. the bathroom of one of the franchises he owned. And that's really sad. It is. <laughs> so uh, it, it doesn't help sell a franchise either. That's right. for sure. Right, right, right. Um, Paul, any input? Yeah, so touching on what Joe just said, with franchises in general, you really have to do your homework when you're choosing the right franchise. First, you got to figure out what industry you want to be in. Sure. If it's a restaurant, today's topic. Uh, really study that franchise, see what the longevity of the franchise is, uh, how long they've been around, what markets are they in. Um, you know, if it's not, for example, if it's not in the Michigan market, find out if there's a need for that concept. That, that's right. very important. Right. right. You know, there's find out if there's a need. Like, for example... Um, and not to name any names, but a lot of these frozen yogurt franchises uh, hit the Michigan market. And we all know with uh, yogurt or ice cream, it's a seasonal business. Uh, so the first thing you got to think of is, what am I going to do in those winter months? Right. You're going to have to scale back your employees. You're going to have to scale back your, your, your payroll, right? Or your Absolutely. overhead, for example. And if you don't, then those are going to be the first type of franchises to go in Michigan. Right. And uh, also, a franchise like that, you don't want to purchase it during its off-season, so to speak. You want to get into it just prior to its peak season so you can enjoy the the positive cash flow going into it during the peak season. As opposed to, like you said, we'll use ice cream for an example. Sure. You know, Obviously, ice cream places do uh, – their slowest months are, are December, January, and February. Mm -hmm. you know, And they begin to pick up in March. Sure. You know, so the best so, time to pick them up is in their busy season, right, like you or said, close to or right, right before their season starts, hoping right. that that franchise makes it to the busy season. You know, <laughs> in some cases, right. You know, we take on listings, and uh, you know, for example, a six-month listing. Uh, sometimes they don't make it to that six-month listing. Yeah, yes. which is unfortunate. Which it's is unfortunate, unfortunate yeah. but um, again, really do your homework. That's why it's really good to to talk to a business broker. We're here to help. That's We're right. We're here to educate. We're here to uh, help you from the very beginning to the very end and really hold your hand through the buying process. Um, you know, again, franchises, they're good because, like Armin, you, you stated earlier, they have a proven system. But sometimes their proven system is not always the best system. Right. Um, and it ends up costing the franchisee a lot of money. And it doesn't fit for everybody. It does it not. It doesn't. It does not. You want to call your own shots, obviously, right. franchise, you can't without 
calling corporate up and tell them, I got this idea. There's and... restrictions. There's limitations. Uh, you have set hours that you mm -hmm. have to be open. So it's not always the best way to go. Um, if you're more of an A-type personality, franchises may not be the way to go for right. you. Right. What about hours, putting in the hours? I know we, we just brought that question well, up. I mean, it's... the hours, you know, depending What were on... you doing, Paul, when you had your restaurant? So – when I owned my restaurant, uh, I started very young. I opened it when I was 21 years old, and uh, I I sacrificed a lot, you know, throughout my 20s, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. And uh, it's, it was very demanding. And you get it to where you want to get it, and then you say, okay, now I'm going to start taking a couple days off, bring in an assistant manager. And then next thing you know, you're back at square one, and you're having to get back in there and put in those hours again because they drove the business down. So... Every model's different. Um, every management style is different. Um, you can't micromanage your employees because then they end up quitting on you. So you have to be a little bit more lenient in sure. some cases. Um, I did have an A-type personality. I probably still do. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's a matter of managing your employees, managing your staff um, in a way where you could grow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one location might not be, you know, enough in a lot of cases. It That's, usually isn't with franchises. No, you know, then they get it's into, all on multiplication, right? Yes, like right. like for example, Subway, they like to you to own three right. on a territory, and that's how you make your money. You might not be making a ton out of one, but you have three, four, five. You'll make a really nice income. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and that particular franchise is a franchise where you can. You can comfortably manage and run multiple locations. Uh, you know, there's another one that's uh, that's really good as far as that's concerned, and I don't want to name the name, but yeah, you could own you could actually own thirty of them, and they manage. Uh, they basically manage uh, their inventory, everything by uh, by the sandwich count, you know, and uh, it, it's it's a much simpler menu too than the Subway. Which helps simplicity is the key as well, you know, to being successful. So managing, there's got to be a presence, obviously. Yes, you yes. know, there's got to be a presence, and we've seen it. Um, Paul, you and I did a deal. We sold a, a restaurant. The employees just took control as soon as this person went in. The buyer went in. You know, they all wanted raises. She ended up losing the business, unfortunately. Absolutely. You know, it's so a very sad situation. Yeah, you've got to have a presence of an owner there. Let them know who's right. in charge, and um, you know, you have to let your employees know that yes, you are an asset of my company, right? But this business will outlive your employment. That's here. right. That's right. Um, the second you start really leaning on your employees, they start to notice it, and then they they take advantage. Right. They start demanding raises, days off, uh, and then you get to a point where you lose control of your business. So the ideal operator is somebody that's in their store, not afraid to put in the hours, not afraid to tell the employee, that's fine, take this day off, take the next week off sure. if you need to. Let them know that I'm going to be here, I'm going to run it, it's my business. Um, you know, you have to really be on top of it. And a lot of the times... Um, what we see in this industry, the, the businesses that are failing are the ones that are absentee operators. Right. Especially in this business. In this business, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two, you also have to, uh, as an owner, you have to be able to step up and uh, perform whatever job 
you have to. I'm sure you know that, Paul. You you owned your business. There's, Absolutely. Or sometimes you got to clean a bathroom. You know, oh. <laughs> there's sometimes uh, you know you got to, and your employees have to know that you're willing and you're capable on top of, it. of doing right. anything and everything. You know, so like you said, if you do lose a key employee, you can step right in there and cover that position to you, you groom or hire someone that can take that person's place as well. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my friends, he's more of a mentor to me. You know, I ask him a lot of business advice. Not so much to this day because I'm no longer an entrepreneur and no longer own businesses. But uh, one thing he did say to me, and I'll never forget, he said, never tell your employee to do something that you wouldn't do. Right. Um, you know, if you got to roll up your sleeves, go clean the bathrooms, do it. Um, lead by example. Um, you're the general, basically, and then, you know, your employees are your troops. So sometimes they need that presence, that guidance, that direction. Um, sure. In order yeah, to, to better and, themselves. And that'll go far. That will. That, that will. will definitely go far. A lot of employees, you'll have a lot of star employees in the restaurant business, but leaders are few and far in between. Mm -hmm. Finding that star employee, that's where a lot of restaurant operators struggle. Um, but again, you know, you hire 10 employees, you might have one star employee, and those are the ones that you could lean on a little bit more to help you run your business. If you need to take a day off, maybe go to a doctor's appointment. Sure. Um, you know, I, I did pretty well managing employees. One of the other things you got to, like Joe talked about earlier, was you got to be, you got to have a personality. You got to be able to talk to people. And when you have 10 employees working under you, you have multiple different personalities that you have to right. cater to. Absolutely. You know, this guy's a little too sensitive. This guy might be a little too angry. Right. Um, so you got to know how to For deal sure. with each and every For individual. Sure. And, and some you have to be very direct with because they understand that and, and they react in a they react in a more positive way if you are very direct with Sure. Them. Absolutely. And like you said, vice versa. You know, you could say the same exact thing word for word to another employee and they practically go into the bathroom and burst out in tears sure so, so there's a difference but you know that's how you figure things out as you go and uh even buying a restaurant armin a lot of times uh the new owner will go in and uh they'll see some wink leaks in uh the employees and uh you know sometimes even uh they find out that you know employees aren't as honest as uh the previous owner led them to believe, but the previous owner probably had no clue. Sure, you know, uh, yeah, I have one deal uh, where uh, the buyer was in its process of due diligence, doing books and records, and uh, it was semi-absentee run. He had a manager there running it, and he found out within four months of you know the new year that this manager embezzled eleven thousand dollars now the deal still went through but the manager but, didn't have a job <laughs> i guarantee you that so you find those things out as well it eventually comes out it will eventually absolutely. come out. absolutely so did any of you guys go without taking a salary when you first opened up yes yes i did a build out on my franchise and uh you know, when I first opened, the first couple of months, so we're no busy. goodwill. Right. You're you're, well, you're opening we were, up new with no goodwill. Yes, we're really busy the first couple of months. I call that uh, the honeymoon period. Everyone wants to try you out in the area. Sure. You're new. You're the the newest place in the area. Um, you make good money those first mm -hmm. couple of months, and then it starts to slow down a little bit. Um, you know, I got to the point. I, I opened my business in 2004, towards the tail end of 2004. 
And then when the, uh, the economy took a hit in 2007, 2008, there were months where I didn't take a penny just to keep my business going. Sure. Uh, you're still paying your rent. You're still paying your employees. You're still paying all your overhead. Um, and you got to sacrifice. And really, you got to have reserves in the bank. And that's what I did. When I had a good month, I put away money uh, to carry me in a slow month. A lot of uh, business owners don't plan that way. And then they yeah. find themselves in the red and they can't dig themselves out because they don't have enough reserves to keep the business yeah, you afloat. You have to use that foresight. Absolutely. What are you talking yes. reserves-wise? Three months, four months, six um, months? It's good to have at least three months three in months reserves, worth. yes, because right. you could have two, three bad months where you're not making any money. Mm -hmm. You're paying your bills. You're probably breaking even. Maybe you're losing a little bit you know, at the same time, um, but you're not taking a paycheck either. Right. So right. Um, you got to have those reserves. Um, it's it's important. I can't stress it enough. I sold a I sold a dry cleaners to a gentleman, and uh, you know he got into his slow season of uh, dry cleaning. Um, started in, panicking in the summertime. Started panicking. He didn't put money to the side. Um, saw that he was doing extremely well in those months, and thought, "Hey, I'll start spending my money. Go buy a brand new car, right. new yeah. house, and everything." Yes, and then uh, all of a sudden. He has two or three bad months in a row, and he starts panicking. He calls sure. me up, says, "I don't know what to do. I'm, I can't make my rent payment." I'm like, "Well, you got to start planning. You budget. Took, you take budget. the first year as a lesson. Start budgeting your next year." And ever since then, he's been doing great. And if you have an existing business, you know, if you look at their books and records, usually you can. There's a pattern there. You know, what the slow time of the year is, what the busier time of the year is, etc. But like you said, it's always good to have uh, money. Uh, you know, two, three months. I think three months is minimum, bare mm -hmm. minimum. And uh, there can be a variety of reasons. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, it just construction on a, the road in which your business is on can have a dramatically negative effect on your business. And, and that might last for, you know, up to a year in some I agree. cases. I know? agree, Joe. That's a great point because uh, a lot of businesses on Rochester Road between Waddles and uh, Big Beaver yeah, they suffered. Yeah, suffered a lot of them went out of business because that road seemed like it was under construction for two years yeah it was a right. while you know yeah. in that troy area and i mean it was bad yeah i mean it, that could be and even not even just small independent businesses uh, you know there was uh 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 j alexander's right over here you know uh during that roundabout and that construction there i mean they were they were off a hundred grand a month from their gross sales just because of that construction you know, of and you, and you can't control that. Does. Brutal. You just be down a hundred grand. Yeah, a month. Can't Crazy. you can't control it. So location wise, um, what are we looking for? Locations. You're going out to open up a new restaurant. Um, demographics obviously is key. Well, once again, I want to open up a new one, Armin. I mean, that's <laughs> just me. I mean, I I think at least uh, I would buy an existing restaurant, even as long as they had the structure, the bones in it as to what I would want to do or what I'm looking for, even if I have a new concept, it's always, uh, it's far more economical to buy an existing business. Because of? Everything's there. I mean, you got your heating, cooling, your ventilation, your fire suppression system. Not only that, but it's already been approved by the city and county As to a be restaurant. a restaurant. Right. So there's no special uh, things involved as far as getting a licensing. 
and also you're able to open up much quicker because of that. You don't have to have uh, the fire marshal come in and inspections inspect. and all that's coming. Um, you know, at the board of health will come in there regardless. But if it's an existing running business, it's a lot easier for them and quicker. It's basically just a glorified annual inspection that they'd have irregardless whether the existing restaurant was there or not. So the bottom line is you're at much you're in business far quicker. And uh, it, it's a lot cheaper than doing a build-out completely. Plus, the equipment's depreciated, right? Absolutely. Rather than you're buying brand-new right. equipment, you're pennies on the dollar or close to. Ten cents to the dollar. Ten cents to the dollar cases. if you're buying one yeah, existing because it's already taking its depreciation. And you kind of have an idea what the restaurant was doing prior. And there might be a couple of items that that particular restaurant sold well. Perhaps you'd want to keep those, even though it's different than the minis mm -hmm. you originally had as well. So... You know, those are all factors you, you need to think about. As far as location is concerned, yeah, you should find something close to your home. Right, you, know, you don't want to travel two hours to get to. Um, if you have a certain concept, uh, you know, I'll pick something out of the blue. Let's say you want to open up a barbecue place, you know. Um, that's fine, you know, and right. you want to open one up in Rochester. You know, find a business that's for sale uh, that, that meets the demographics. Right. Uh, you know. A ge geographical location as well, and then uh, and then wor work off that, right. you know. And if it makes more sense to buy the existing business, do it. If it makes more sense to open from scratch, then you know I go guess that that's route, route you'd have to go to. One thing I want to touch on with uh, what Joe said, also, um, you could almost think of a new business as buying a new car. You're gonna pay sticker in a lot of cases. If you buy a business that's two or three years old. It's like buying a car that's two or three year olds. It's depreciating a lot of right. value, um, and it's gone through the tough time. It's gone the through the year, tough first times, two years, and you're, you know, let's compare a new franchise versus an existing franchise. Mm -hmm. We sell a lot of resales, franchise resales, um, and not to say any names, uh, but there's some franchises out there like Yogurt franchise. We'll use for a prime example because mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of All these. Right. right. Um, you're, the owner is spending $390,000 to put this new franchise together with the build-out. I right. mean, yogurt machines alone are $75,000. Right. Two or three years down the road, they're not making it. They want to sell it. What are we listing these things for, Joel? Under a hundred grand. Right. Yeah. Under and, and a person that's taken full advantage of it is the one that's buying it for a hundred grand. Yes. Uh, which you also left out, too. I think it's very important as well. Uh, you kind of compare to a new car. A new car, you know, it's going to start, it's going to run, it's going to be under warranty. Uh, when you open a new franchise, there's no guarantee it's gonna make what it. the revenue is no, going to be. No I, I guarantee you, before you open the door, you're doing zero. You know, and you can do, uh, and I don't want to use names, but, you know, we'll say a, a, a sub-franchise. Uh, these individuals paid between the build-out plus buying a brand-new uh, franchise territory. Uh, they spent $340,000, and they opened this place up, and they're doing $3,500 a week when it should be doing ten grand a week. Yeah, you know, a lot of the times it's terrible. our job is to educate these buyers Absolutely. on buying a resale versus a new franchise because the grass is not always greener on the other side. Right. And I'll be honest with you, um, a lot of people make the mistake. They want the new shiny penny versus the, right. the dull penny. That needs to be polished up. Well, it's not always better to have the new penny because at the end of the day, you're paying a lot more for that new penny. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and 
in in this case a new franchise you know why would you pay three hundred fifty thousand dollars for something that's not proven you're starting at ground zero absolutely when you could take a distressed franchise and in a lot of cases you know what's wrong with that distressed franchise uh, absolutely it's a new it's an owner that's not operating it's mm-hmm. absentee Correct. that attorney that decided hey i want to invest money into a new franchise but it's absent, completely absentee, and then they realize a year later they made a big mistake because you need to have owner presence there. Correct. Absolutely. Also, uh, uh, buying a, a, a used franchise, your debt services is way less. Like, for instance, you know, we said the build-out cost is around 300 Let's say 300000 uh, We'll just round it off. Now, the individuals that's buying that same business, same equipment, everything, be it, you know, maybe 18 months, maybe two, three years old, they're getting it for $100,000. Their debt service is a third as far as the financing of the business is concerned. So it makes it more palatable and it makes more sense, uh, monetarily speaking, because this person has a third invested as opposed to the the person that opened it up from scratch has you know, 300 plus in there. So that's a, that can be a difference between failing and succeeding absolutely. as sure. well. The debt sure. service, absolutely. Are the banks giving money out? Yes. The banks, they're, they're loosening their belts now, aren't they? They are. Yeah. SBA loans right now are going through the roof. Yeah. We're, we're seeing a lot more of those. Um, the qualification process to, to approve them it's gotten is, easier. is a lot simpler. Um, they look for good financials in the business. Um, you know, three years they like to look at if it's an existing mm-hmm. business with a track record. Right. Um, they like to see the basically will it support debt service? That's what they look for. Yep. As long as it can support debt service, they'll do the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, they also look at the buyer side. Um, do you credit have worthy buyers. What's their credit worthiness? Yep. Uh, their credit score. All that experience stuff. too. Someone just mentioned yes. that. Yeah, yeah. Experience is key, but it it's not necessarily. Um, you an know, absolute. An absolute, yeah. yes. It's not mandatory to have experience. Um, they usually require the, the seller to have some skin in the game, a subordinate note to mm-hmm. hold back some money right. um, until, you know, obviously they see that the buyer is running the business. Sure. And then, you know, it's usually like a two-year subordinate note where they're not collecting money, um, but they're accruing interest. Once that two-year passes, the uh, buyer has a record with the bank of making the payments, then the seller starts getting payments on that subordinate note. Sure. Yeah. Right. And that subordinate note can be taken care of too. Uh, it can be paid off prematurely without penalty as well. Yes. Yes. No prepayment. Remember years ago, it used to be prepaying penalties. Yeah. You know, SBA loans still I do have prepayment SBA loans yeah. still do. Yeah. yeah but the, the subordinate note, no. 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 Not on the subordinate note. The first the first year on an SBA is a 3% prepayment penalty. Second year is 2 Third year is one percent, and then it goes away. Goes away after that. Yeah. Um, I always hear this that to be different, to stand out. What do you guys think about that? Different menu, um, you know, wait staff. Uh, do something different to stand out. You got a million hamburger joints out there. You got a million family restaurants out there. What do you got to do to stand out? What I've been noticing a lot with uh, these restaurants, they go simple, small menu, keep it very simple. Mm -hmm. People don't like walking in 
bombarded. You know, they have an hour for lunch, maybe in some cases 30 minutes. Right. They don't want to look at a huge five-page menu. They want to look at a one-page menu with maybe 10 to 15 menu item choices to choose from. Mm -hmm. right. And that's the way to go now. I'm starting to see a lot of businesses, restaurants, scale their menu down, and it's working out to their favor. Yeah, it's better, too, uh, for uh, uh, the cooks in the kitchen. You know, they can get the orders out quicker, faster. It's uh, it, it, You tend to get fresher food, too. Sure. Because, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a limited menu. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, also, I, I think uh, a lot of restaurants, uh, what they're trying to use to stand out from others is, is really good service and really decent portions and, and value. You know, I think it's a plus. For sure. I mean, I think the three of us all agree. We go to a Middle Eastern restaurant near our office, and they took the Subway concept where you right. want chicken or you want beef, and you put your toppings on yeah, it. They kept it, it makes, simple. They kept but it simple, it's but it's, fresh and in front it stands of you. out. It's and not it's your typical. Quick, too. Right. Like, like Paul mentioned, sometimes, you know, it, it, our time is limited in right. the sense that we value it. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, can, I can't afford theoretically spend two hours right, eating lunch wait, right you know I, and the value is great yeah the value is yes. great we were just right. talking about how good the value is over there Absolutely. you know so, so my, that's, my so, mouth is watering yeah. so, <laughs> so that's one way of standing out i think right 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 um testing the ideas obviously franchise they do all the testing independent you have to do testing you do you're the guinea pig you're the guinea pig you try it out um who tests the foods out that you you make? Small groups, family, friends, you know. Trial, trial and error. Right. Um, if you're going independent, um, you want to do soft openings, invite family mm -hmm. and friends, yeah. work the kinks out, and then do your. Then go to the public grand yes. opening and yeah, stuff like Paul that. Paul and I actually were just talking about soft openings prior to the show, in general, and uh, I, I was mentioning a, a restaurant tour that, that we had years and years of experience mm -hmm. in the restaurant business it happened to be italian style restaurant uh she opened up a restaurant uh i'm not gonna name the city but uh, it's not far from here but she had a grand opening without doing a soft opening and as experienced as she was uh her husband too cooking wise i mean they had a maybe 60 years experience between the two of them mm -hmm. But it was a disaster. And unfortunately, in the city in which they opened in was a small city. Um, and it just spread fast. You know, the sauce was overcooked. The service was horrible. We waited two hours to get our, sure, our meal. Sure. And it really, it was a nail in a coffin for the business, unfortunately. I mean, the area didn't even allow them to have a second chance or opportunity. Now, today, it's a different business, different owner, doing mm -hmm. extremely well. But Paul nailed it. Yeah, you have to do a soft opening just to get all the kinks, not only to get the kinks out of it, but, but develop a, a system. And get the feedback you know also, right? The feedback yeah. from the clients to see exactly. what you're doing and right, you what you're doing wrong. tweak and modify as you go along. And then by that time, you're ready for your grand opening. And hopefully it'll go, it, it may not go off without a hitch, but certainly it's going to you're going to pull off with way, way less problems than if you would have just did a grand opening. You know, okay, it's ready. Plus, that, 
Plus, with that soft opening, you know, you have your family and your friends there. They're going to be the most They're gonna honest, be honest with they're you. They're going to be honest. I mean, they want you to succeed. So, you know, the pasta and the shrimp is not cooked. Overcooked, right, undercooked. Or overcooked, <laughs> or maybe the shrimp is too hard. Maybe it's a little fishy. They're going right. to let you know. Right. right. Or too, right. too much salt in the, in the Caesar salad mm-hmm. dressing. Yes. And, and you're not charging them to come in. You're basically, you want their opinions. You want them to be the critics and steer you in the right direction. Right. Good idea to talk to the neighbors. Just a, hey, I'm opening up this place here. Or you want to get the word out. You want to get you know. the word out, but also to feel the area out, right? Yes, it's, that's it's good. And it's, if you're buying an existing restaurant, do the neighbors know something you don't know? You know, you have to know your target. You've got to know your target, you know, and then it's important. Neighbors will uh, get you some good feedback, I think. You know, and you know, and a lot of the times too, um, you know, when we're selling existing businesses, um, and we're talking to buyers, a lot of, more more so with first time buyers. You know, for example, you know, you have the sub shop for sale. Oh, but there's another one down the street. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Competition is right. good. It's good. It's you know, good. You know, if, if that's the case, I mean, you would never buy a business. Right. You know, it's like saying, okay, there's a gas station on this corner, but there's another one on this corner. But there's a need for it. There's um, a demand for it. Right. You know, and if you're the only guy in town, you're not going to be able to handle that business anyways. You know. Right. Yeah, I agree totally. And, and like you, know, you mentioned, uh, like a sub shop. Uh, you know, there's a gentleman opened one up. I, I sold him his first one, and he opened up a second one, literally right across the street from. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess I could say the name Subway. He mm. didn't care. He's crushing it. He's yeah. doing phenomenal. You know, he's been there for two, three years now, and he does more than the Subway does. But he's it didn't scare niche. him. It didn't scare him. No. And vice versa, too. Sometimes you have a business that you have for sale, and they'll notice a, a, a business similar or like it right down the street. And they'll say, oh, you know, there's there's a line right down the street there. I said, they've been there for 20 years. What difference does it make? This guy's been here for 30 years. You know, it, it has no effect, you know. I was in a... I was in a plaza where I had a Thai restaurant. I had a Subway. I had a uh, Hungry Howie's. I had another place that was a cafe. We're known as the food destination plaza. Did that scare me? Absolutely not. Um, I saw my customers go to the Subway one or two days a week. They came to me one or two days a week. Maybe they had Thai food one day a week. People want a variety sure. regardless. Right. It's all about having a variety. If I could get that customer in my door twice a week, I'm happy. You're doing good. I'm doing very good. happy. Um, there's enough business to go around for everyone, even in our business. I mean, if you know, there's more and more agents doing what mm-hmm. we do, there's plenty of businesses out there to sell. I mean, Armin, you say it all the time. There's plenty of business out there for there's everyone. Plenty. Everybody's going to eat. Yes. Everybody's going to eat. You know, people, business owners, they always point the fingers at other people. Where, when they should really be pointing the fingers at themselves. Sure. Um, they're always blaming the economy. They're always blaming the weather. They're always blaming this. A good business owner will not blame anyone but themselves. Um, at the end of the day, if you're providing the customer with a good product, good price, quality, they're going to keep coming to you. Right. I don't care if there's 10 sub shops around you. They're going to keep coming to you because you might be more personable you know, you greet them at the door. How are you doing, Mr. Johnson? Uh, are you going to do the number six again this today? You know, right. you, you, you make them feel like they're important to you, you know, to your business. And that's what I did when I was a you know, restaurant operator. I 
you know, till this day, I've been out of the business for about five years now. Till this day, I, I can still picture my regulars coming in sure. and ordering that uh, that burrito with steak or, right. you know, the salad with chicken. I mean, I you right, know, right. You know, it sticks customers, with you. Sure. Right. Yes. Customers appreciate that, too. They understand and appreciate it. And like you said, it, it does go a long way. Yeah, you just don't want to be another number. Yeah, Joe, you're still in the restaurant business. and yeah. You had mentioned, you know, seeing customers as little babies, and today they're 25 years old. And yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't <laughs> it? They're I bringing know. their kids in now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, um, uh, yeah, I had a a customer come up, and she was probably about like her early 40s, and she wanted me to introduce. She wanted she introduced her daughter to me, and she said, you know, I told my daughter when I was her age, her daughter's age. Her parents used to bring her to uh, our restaurant, and now she's bringing her daughter when she was her age to our restaurant. So yeah, it's it's cool. It's That's good. It's good to see that for sure. It is absolutely, it is. absolutely. absolutely. Do you guys ever scoop out the competition? Yeah, I mean, you have. You have to, to. <laughs> Joe. I know that your famous I, line. I mean, <laughs> you have to. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying uh, in a bad way. Yeah, I mean, in my personal case, you know, with the, with the restaurant businesses we had we would see our our competition mimic what we were mm-hmm. doing so to us that was a sign that what we were doing was working right but yeah you have to you have to scope them out just to see their prices what they're doing who's not doing like paul said sometimes you'd see a, a customer of his go to his competition that's understandable mm-hmm. people want it's variety mm-hmm. it's, it's totally true but you want to make sure they're going over for that or not for a different reason like they got poor service or or you know, right. their food was overcooked, it was undercooked, or the portion was a different size. That's another big pet peeve of mine. You know, you want consistency. I was uh, on Hall Road for 10 years. And when you think of Hall Road, you think of the restaurant mecca of oh, yeah. fast-paced. You know, yes. Right. ton of traffic, Within too. five miles, you could pick from 100 different restaurants. Sure. Now, I'm talking about five-mile span on just Hall Road alone. Right probably a hundred different restaurants, maybe even more. Yeah, and some major franchises too. Absolutely. They you know franchises like it because of the traffic count. Mm-hmm. Right. You turn your sign on, that's advertising automatically. Right. right? Yeah. Um, so back to checking out your competition, yeah, there were days that we were just very slow in, in business and there's no reason why we should be. Come to find out the the place down the street just opened. The brand new right. place just opened. So you feel You'll feel it for about a week. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's going to go try that new place out. And sure. then after a week, they start coming right back to you, you know. and It's human nature. It's yeah. human nature. They're going to try it. You want to try out the new place. And once they f- realize it's not the same as my place, they start coming right. back to me. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. You know, and, and that's, uh, that's a given. I mean, people want a variety. I don't eat the same thing every day. I, I used to get sick of my food. I used to call the place next door to me and ask them to do food trades because I couldn't eat my food yeah. anymore. You know, so it's all about having a variety for sure, changing it up for sure. Staff wise, um, experienced staff, uh, new staff, mold them the way you want to do. You know, sometimes you get let me take this one first an experienced person, they're stuck in that rut and they don't want to take chance or change, they don't like change. I liked hiring new, new, newer kids, younger, train them the way you want to train them, yeah. No experience. Right. They have no bad habits. Right. Um, Preferably, it's their first job. Yes, you could mold perfect. them into what you what want you them want. to be. And I've had I had the best luck 
with, with new. no experience in the restaurant industry. Yeah, it's a little frustrating at the beginning. To train, yeah. They don't know about uh, food handling. You know, you can't touch ready-to-eat food with your bare hands. you got to put the latex gloves on. Right. And, you know, once they learn the business and, you know, when you're telling them enough times, no, you can't do this, can't do this, you mold them into the employee. The way you want, want to be. Yes, yes. for yeah, sure. And, you know, it, us too, I mean, you know, we prefer, like you said, 15, 16-year-olds, first, their first job. And when Paul says mold, I mean, we don't make them like our robots, <laughs> right. you know. But uh, Although sometimes you want to, right? <laughs> yes. but, but we do teach them, uh, you know, um, we teach them to do things the way they should be done, in our opinion. For, yeah, you know, to your and, satisfaction. And, and also, it's something that they can take you know we not only train them to, like to, to make a certain dish or work a certain way but we do teach them work the eth- work ethics i know it sounds corny but i've had employees come back years later and thank me that, that it was their first job yeah, their val- their value first employer and they learned a ton from me and as a matter of fact i've actually had employees that had children themselves and insisted that their kid's first job was working with you for us so i mean i think that's the ultimate compliment but but not only a compliment but like paul said you you teach them the right thing you teach them a work ethic and it it, and it it pays off not only for you but for them as well for sure in the long run you know it's funny that you say that joe because i was 21 when i opened my restaurant and i had employees that i was hiring that were 16 17 18 not too much younger than me and five six seven years later they're coming in hey paul how's it going great you know surprised to see them and you know they're nurses now some of them are in medical school some of them are attorneys making more than i am and it makes me feel good because you know the one thing that a lot of them said to me was you gave me the first opportunity you taught me a lot of responsibility and because of you you know not all because of you but a good part because of you i am who i am today because of the hard work ethics that you taught me yeah. And it makes, it makes really you feel good. good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Rent or buy the building? It depends. Okay. Um, you know, not, not big, everyone big has. Big capital, a lot of capital, you know, involvement right from the get-go. If you're buying a business with a high dollar value, mm-hmm. it's good to own the real estate. Okay. In a lot of cases, if you're getting a loan, the bank wants you to, to own the real collateral. estate. There is collateral, collateral. right there. Uh, but if you're buying a small franchise, you know, smaller dollar amount, mm-hmm. renting is probably the way to go right. because you're not going to be able to buy a strip center that has 15 to 20 units that you're talking about a $5 million investment. Right. Minimum. You can't, <laughs> right. you can't buy it right. at that point. Right. But, um, you know, in some cases, like freestanding restaurants, if you could buy the building, great. Yeah. Uh, liquor stores, if you could buy the building, great. Yeah. It's not always a plus, um, but... It's beneficial to own the property mm-hmm. if you can. Yeah, and if it makes financial sense too. For sure. Like, you know, we sold a, a, a liquor store in Birmingham where the seller valued the property at, at, at I won't say an astronomical amount, but far more than what it was actually worth. And it was a financial advantage for the owner of the liquor store and the new owner of the liquor store to, to, to lease it. I mean, it was... Sometimes it's it cheaper way that way. more it's cheaper. sense. It's cheaper to, to lease you know, it than to buy it. It's cheaper. But as Paul said, if there is a business that's business and property and it makes financial sense to purchase the property, yeah, I think you'd be foolish not to purchase the property because uh, 
the property itself is always going to be a tangible asset. Uh, you know, we're business brokers. We value businesses on uh, the cash flow, you know, what it's doing, what it's making. And you can have a business making, you know, $10,000 a year that's worth, really, it's an asset sale if you're netting that much. Mm -hmm. Or you can have a business netting 300000 a year, which is far more valuable. It could sure, be sure. the same business, you know, same mm -hmm. concept. Say it's a pizzeria, you know, but a it's it, the three. The one that's netting three hundred thousand is far more available than the one that's For only sure. netting ten thousand. But if the the real estate's available, and you're netting three hundred thousand, yeah, it's I'd a no say, brainer. I, yeah, it's nothing to think about. Exactly. Right. right. Uh, advertising. What worked? What didn't work for you guys? Advertising again. Um, it's trial and error. Correct. Um, when I owned my business, it took me a good two to three years to figure it to out. To figure out what worked for me and what mm -hmm. didn't. Exactly. Um, it depends on the industry. If you're doing, a, if you have, if you own a pizzeria, you want to do mailers. Um, when you say mailers, Paul, like Valpac mailers or what? Are, I know there's a lot of new type of mailings going not, out now. Not to give out any names, but um, yeah, the the ones with the small envelopes okay. that you get in the mail. A lot of people just look at the envelope and throw it away. Throw them out, correct. Um, I liked full, glossy magazines uh, mm -hmm. that people could turn the page. Uh, that helped. So like know, the community the magazines. Community, community magazines, magazines helped um, with me. But, you know, put a good incentive in there, a good coupon, like buy one, get one free, mm -hmm. equal or less value. Uh, that worked. Um, you know, I have a cousin that owns a pizzeria. He's constantly advertising. Uh, yeah. When you're in the pizza business, advertising is to. the blood flow of your business. I agree 100% uh, with pizzerias. Yes, he's advertising weekly, okay. where in my business, I advertise monthly. Okay. Uh, but you should always be advertising. I don't care if it's uh, through um, digital marketing, uh, post office, Google posting, yeah. you know, through Google AdWords. Mm -hmm. or, those, those postcard mailers oh, that, that's are a really popular. Well. They work really well. But like Paul said, too. It depends on the business. Depends on the location. Yes. You know, I, for instance, you know, I had a couple of tanning salons, same owner, same concept, same name, but they're in two different cities, and what worked for the one didn't work at all for the other. Sure. And the opposite, what worked for the other didn't work at all sure. for the other one. So, like trial Paul said, and error. It's trial and error, and you want the most bang for your buck. You, you know, do. If you're, you're spending a thousand dollars in advertising a month, and you're only maybe seeing two three hundred dollars worth of business come through the door on it advertising maybe it, it's definitely not worth it but but you yeah. gotta find out you know a lot of things i did i got in good with the community i started going to local high schools mm -hmm. uh you know advertising being a sponsor with the football teams that worked well for me getting into their magazines worked well um you got to get your name. You got to get your name out there. Sponsor a, a baseball team or a basketball right. team. Mm -hmm. um, give out free food. Um, it's funny, you know. You might not think this, but in the restaurant business, the cheapest form of advertising is giving out your product. For sure. Correct. You know, and totally. that actually works the best because it's word of mouth is the best form of advertising. That's right. Right. And you mentioned schools. Up. Uh, you know, there. I won't. I'll keep the name. Won't mention the name, but uh, this pizzeria would like if there's a PTA event or meeting, they'd supply free pizzas. But and every their box was there, their name was there, mm -hmm. and it was, it was a local business within the school district right there, and it worked out great. Like Paul said, I mean, 
Yeah, what it cost them? 80, maybe even 100 hours in food, host, you know, their cost. But it did a ton of advertising. For sure. I mean, it introduced their yes. product to uh, to their demographic. And like Paul said, it was, you know, freeze the best. Mm -hmm. and, and some people really appreciate a, a business like they feel almost like a fiduciary responsibility to support that business because in their eyes they're supporting the school district they're supporting they're supporting the community itself mm -hmm. one thing um it's just to go back to franchises one thing a franchisor will never teach you is how to locally advertise yeah, your business they can't because they they're not going to know what works for you what doesn't work for you right um, basically, they say, give us 2% of your sales and we'll advertise. But right. On a national scale. On a national right. scale. Um, doesn't really hit your local market the right. way you want it to. It's, right. it's money you're throwing away. Um, even though you're part of a proven system, uh, you're part of a co-op, they call it, advertising, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Don't think just because you're giving up 2% or 3 or 4% of your sales to advertising and being a part of a co-op with a franchisor that it's going to work for you. You have to go out there to your local market, your local community, and really get your name for out sure. there. That's what's right. going to work best for you. They're yeah. the ones who are going to come in and support you at the end of the day, not the franchisor's national marketing campaign. And, and the most successful franchisees that I see do precisely that. They spend a Above and beyond, of corporate you know, what, advertising, correct. doing their yes. own advertising. Yeah, they do local, and and it's it's, it's extremely effective. Yeah, when I when I was launching my uh, my independent pizzeria, um, you know, I had a limited budget to market, and I couldn't compete with these larger scale pizzerias like Jets, Little Caesars. They're doing national, um, you know, advertising campaigns, right. and you can't compete with them. They're spending tens of thousand dollars a week in your yeah. local market so right you know for a little guy with one location mm -hmm. what do you do well i focused on within a half a mile radius from my my pizzeria i went to the apartment complex right behind me there's six thousand residents in there i i went and uh paid to have um, flyers printed out for me cost me 10 cents a flyer right we hung them on their door uh on their Doorknobs. Door knockers. And that, I'll tell you what, talk about a good bang for your buck. That was phenomenal. Every time we did that, just that complex alone, we had 30 deliveries that day. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That's fa also hotels. You know, if you have a hotel in the immediate area, it's good to leave a, a menu with them, menus in the lobby, et cetera. That's very helpful, too, because a lot of people are, you know, mm -hmm. from out of state or, you know, just out of town. For businesses offering delivery. Yeah, and they see that business offer delivery, got your menu. It, not only is it convenient, but, it, but it's practical, it's economical, and it, it works out great for you, the owner of the business, and for for them as well. Mm -hmm. Full dining, carry out, your thoughts, guys. I, you know, full dine-in, it's like... I mean, it's, uh, a, it's a headache. It's a I don't want to say it's, it's a dinosaur. It's just, uh, you just have... People are on the go now. Yeah, it's I mean, not only that. It's just, yeah, even full dine-in, people want to get in and out. And you got some people want to spend three hours right. enjoying their dining experience. And nothing against it. That's great. But... Uh, I, but the costs are a lot higher oh, yeah. when you have a full dine into the Not owner of the business. Yeah. Well, you need a lot more employees, Wait staff, yeah, and, everything. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, it's a big problem. I right. know right now, you know, I won't 
I'll name the city, Plymouth. Um, there's a very experienced uh, restaurateur that's trying to open a restaurant there. And the problem they're having is finding employees. They, mm -hmm. they cannot staff this restaurant. Right. They cannot open it. Right. Because they cannot find enough employees to open a restaurant. Up. Right. So it's a big issue. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have you know a franchise or carry out, yeah, you need a fraction of those employees. For sure. You know? yeah, you're and you're just pumping it out. You're just pumping out the You're food. dealing with a bigger space. You're yeah, dealing with rent's higher, everything. Utilities, employees, all of it. Uh, everything. That, you know, what your utility bills are more. It's all, and usually it's bigger dining places have a, you know, a classy liquor license. So they're selling alcohol too. Right. So it's. Uh, there's, there's pros and cons to both. I mean, I know, um, Full service restaurants that are doing five, six million dollars a year in For sure. sales oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that could support five families. Right. Um, it depends. It depends on the situation. It depends how experienced you are. I mean, I would never advise a first time restaurant buyer to get into to a, get into a full, full service restaurant. They're going to lose it in a month. Yeah. And, and and that's happened. Yeah, that's yeah. happened. It's, you know, I, I sold tough. one to an experienced operator. Joe, you may remember this. Eight, yeah, ten years do. ago, within six months, he was out. You know, it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's, it's, brutal. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, customer uh, survey cards work well. Yes, yes. Um, you got a lot of feedback on your on your restaurants, uh, leaving those and, and and seeing you know we, cleanliness, food quality. We did that from a franchisor level. Um, they wanted feedback. Um, mm -hmm. They had secret shoppers come and shop you. And they would fill out a, a survey on how that location sure. was cleanliness, friendliness, service, um, value. Um, but I went above and beyond that with my customers. Um, I would ask them, what do you like to see? What kind of specials would you like to see? Is there any type of sandwich that you want on the menu that we don't have? Any type of product uh, that would pretty much keep Helpful you coming in here more? Um, you know, so I got a lot of good feedback mm -hmm. from my uh, customers. I mean, for me, it was a lot easier because I was there every day. Right. Um, I think feedback cards would be more beneficial to an absentee owner. You know, or or semi-absentee. Right. Yeah. Or even a semi yeah. Yeah, Well, there's people that just don't want to talk. They just fill it out, drop it in sure. a box, and that's it. Well, they're, they're a lot out, braver. You know, but that's good too. I mean, you want to know what you're doing wrong absolutely. just as much absolutely. as you want to know what you're doing right. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, um, as a patron of a business, um, if I notice something wrong, I don't stay silent. I I approach the owner and I let them know. Just so you know, this is wrong. This was bad. This, you know, I go to a diner close to where I live, and I like hitting this place two, three times a month maybe even more. Um, so when his soup is off, I let him know. You know, one day the soup was just too salty. Right. And I let him know. He appreciates that too, uh, he, sure. Yes, he appreciated it very much because the customers that don't say anything. Mm -hmm. um, they just won't come back. They won't come back. And Absolutely. then the, the owner's like, I wonder what ever happened to that customer. Mm -hmm. He doesn't come in anymore. Well, he, he'll never know why. Absolutely. So it's always good if you're going into a restaurant. If something is wrong, Speak up. Let the owner know so they could, you know, rectify the situation. Right. right. Yeah, I agree totally. You know, and uh, even now with social media, sometimes you see people, uh, uh, 
posting negative comments about a business on social media. I think it's unfair. I, I mean, if uh, like you said, if, if you experience something negative or off, uh, the speak up. The manly, respectful, and honorable thing to do is is ask for the manager or owner, and and just you know share with him what you feel is wrong. And and you know most owners and managers are very, you know, they're very respectful of your concern or complaint, and, and they try and make it right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know, that's what you know, I don't want to say America's all about, but but that's what it's all about. You know. Yeah. But but to do some cowardly uh, online without, I mean, maybe, maybe if it was your last, last, last resort, maybe I could kind of justify I agree with you. Um, It's never good to just stand silent and then Mm -hmm. give a bad review. Approach the owner. If it's the first time you had a bad experience, approach the owner. Let them make it right to you. Let them fix the problem. If the owner or the manager do. doesn't want to help you out or refund you or, or maybe, being rude about it or being rude about it, then then put the bad review. Right. right. Yeah. You know, let them fix the yeah, problem. Use it as a last resort, but give them an opportunity to uh I don't want to say defend themselves, but but to make make it right. Because it, I've ooh. been in the industry, especially the restaurant industry, I understand um you know, one of my favorite restaurants is down the street from where we live. We go there quite a bit and um you know, just the other day we had uh, we ordered fillets, and um, I was telling my wife, you know, this is the most consistent restaurant. I can't wait to taste this fillet. You know, I've been craving it. I get the fillet; it's well done. And yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just jinxed myself because I was t- I was saying <laughs> right. how good this place is, and I get a well done fillet. Well, I let the server know when I cut into it. This is there's no red in this fillet. You know, and right. you're not one of those guys that eats two thirds of it and then, then sends it <laughs> no, back. No, I didn't even take a bite of it. As a matter of fact, he asked take me another full meal home. <laughs> when it comes when it comes to a fillet, and if you know your fillet, you cannot eat a well done fillet. It just ruins it. I agree. Steak. Kills the meat. Yeah. So I let the server know this is well done, and he agreed with me. And then all of a sudden, not even a minute later, the manager is coming to the table, mm-hmm. apologizing. Is there anything I could do to help? You know, is there anything I could get you? Um, she offered, you know, free dessert. And I said, that's not necessary. I come in here all the time. I've never had a problem with my food. And they really appreciated that. They still ended up doing something for us at the end yeah. of the meal. Yeah. That's so good. that's good service. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they, they rectified a problem in a professional manner. And, you know, in the end, everyone's a winner. Right. For sure. So in a nutshell, to all the new owners, buyers, slow down. Do your homework. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And, yes. and buy an existing restaurant. Talk to a business homework. broker before you do anything. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, thanks so much. Joe, Paul, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. It's a pleasure. This Fun is Biz on New Radio Media. I'm Armin Nazarian. See you next time.